Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this event, which is jointly hosted by the LSE's European Institute, the Cañada Blanc Centre for the Study of Contemporary Spain, and the Darendorf Forum. It's a great pleasure to have you all here, and it's an even greater pleasure to have Dr. Pedro Sanchez, who I'm sure you all know is the Secretary General of the Partido Socialista Obrero Español. Um, I'm not going to bore you by listing his academic qualifications, but I can assure you they are many and respectable. Um, he's here to talk to us this evening about what is inevitably a controversial subject, which is the origins and development of the present issues within Spain in the light of other events in Catalonia. Now, given that this is controversial, I want to say a couple of things about how we are going to conduct the event. <laughs> Dr. Sanchez is here in a university where there is freedom of speech and he will freely give us his opinion about the present situation in Spain. You in the audience will have an opportunity later on when he is finished to ask questions. What I will stop the event. I'll tell you now, I will stop the event if people are shouting out things or barracking the speaker. This is, let me repeat, this is the London School of Economics. It's a university. There is freedom of speech. This event, in many respects, is the sequel to four events that we have held over recent months about the Catalan crisis, in which there were views from all sides. So there we go. Dr. Sanchez will speak for approximately three quarters of an hour, give or take, even less. Even less. Isn't that, is. So we start, we start with good news. <laughs> and when he has finished speaking, in the respectful silence that I'm looking forward to from the audience, <laughs> you will have the opportunity to ask questions. There will be microphones going round for the... Uh, those who want to ask questions. But can I say, we are looking forward to questions, that is to say, concise questions. Obviously, if they were of the nature of uh, Dr. Sanchez, what is your favourite colour, that would be good. But if they are more penetrating, that would also be good. What we do not want or need, since there will be lots of people with questions, are what in Spanish is called la contraconferencia. The <laughs> So, there you go. There are the rules. As I said earlier, it's my immense pleasure to introduce Dr. Sanchez. Well, thanks uh, very much. It, it is, for me, a great um, privilege to be here with you uh, today. I want to thank the European Institute, the Cañada Blanche Center, the Darendorf Forum, and the London School of, of Economics uh, for having invited me to come, and in particular, to professors Paul Preston and Ian Beck. Many things uh, have been said about the issue of Catalonia, but I would like to take this opportunity to analyze uh, this crisis in the context of the rise of populism and polarization in Western societies. 
Just uh, to start a, a brief contextual note, Spain is an advanced uh, democracy with a rule of law that belongs to the European Union since 1986. In fact, according to prestigious democratic rankings like those of The Economist and Freedom House, the quality of the Spanish democracy is above that of France, Italy, or the United States. Spain is also a highly decentralized state where its regions have a great degree of freedom and autonomy. As you can see when you take, for instance, uh, the level of subnational government uh, expenditure. And moreover, Spain also guarantees cultural pluralism. We have, apart from Spanish, as you may know, three official languages more. We have Basque, Galician, and Catalan, which are widely spoken and protected and recognized by our constitution. And, and what about Catalonia? Well, Catalonia has always been a part of Spain. It was a part of uh, the Kingdom of Aragon, which allied through a royal marriage in the 15th century to the Kingdom of Castilla. Catalonia was also part of Spain in our first constitution in 1812, and also in all other constitutions that followed. More than 90%, 90% of Catalans voted in favor of our current constitution approved in 1978. As you can see in this data, Catalonia is one of the most prosperous regions of Spain and the European Union, having more GDP per capita than the European average. Indeed, Catalonia has a great degree of self-government as well. They have their own parliament, their own government, their own police, health and education system. But what happened? Some people like to compare the Catalan case with the Scottish one. However, as you well know, in social science, comparison must be done rigorously. Scotland and Catalonia represent very different historical and constitutional realities. First, Scotland belongs to the United Kingdom because in 77, an international treaty, the Acts of Union, was signed by the parliaments of two different sovereign countries. By the contrary, Catalonia has never been an independent kingdom and was part of Spain since its foundation. Secondly, Spain has a written constitution that does not allow for a referendum of independence. Even if all politicians and if all political parties in Spain agreed on the need to allow such referendum, the referendum for self-determination, constitutional reform must be carried out and voted by all the Spaniards. But this, in the end, has nothing to do, in my opinion, with what has actually happened in Catalonia. This is about whether Catalonia can become independent, or this is not about whether Catalonia can become independent or not. This is about the means to achieve it. This is about the respect to the rule of law, which is an essential principle of democracy. This is not about the legitimate goals that any citizen, any politician, or any political party may have, but rather about the means to achieve those political goals. And in this case, yes, I think that we can make an analogy with the case of Scotland and the UK to prove it. Please imagine 
that the Parliament in Westminster would have not allowed the celebration of a referendum in Scotland, as it actually happens now with the petition from the Scottish Government for a second referendum. Please imagine that the Parliament of Scotland unilaterally approves a referendum to separate from the rest of the United Kingdom that breaks de facto with the existing law in this country. Imagine that even though the referendum does not count with the minimum democratic guarantees and actually only around 40% of the population participate against the warnings of the British judicial system, unilaterally declare the independence of Scotland from the United Kingdom. Imagine that the UK government immediately reacts, restoring the legal order while the Scottish First Minister escapes to Belgium and other secessionist leaders are taken into pretend detention charged by the breaking, with breaking the law. Think the crisis that this change of events would represent for the United Kingdom, because precisely this is how the events have unfolded in Catalonia and in, and in Spain during these last months. But the most important question, and the question that I will attempt to answer today here is why? Por qué? How this could have occurred in one of the most prosperous and successful regions of Spain, which is actually one of the most decentralized countries in the world. How could this happen in a consolidated democracy member of the European Union? So, why has happened? Of course, there is never a single answer. Never a single answer, and I would say that Spain, with the crisis in Catalonia, has confronted a short of perfect storm, which basically combines four different dimensions. The first dimension would be that Catalan nationalism is deeply rooted in society, with more intensity in rural areas in Catalonia. Second, the eruption of an intense economic crisis and the social cuts imposed by the austerity policies. Third, growing political disaffection. And fourth, the emergence of populism that is also common to other Western societies and that in Catalonia has taken the discourse and promise of the pro-independence movement. The coincidence in space and in time of these four dimensions has given way to a profound constitutional and territorial crisis that requires more than the mere restoration of the legal framework. In my opinion, it demands as well a process of relegimitation of democracy in Catalonia and in Spain that can be addressed only through an ambitious program of reforms. So how did we get here? I have divided the historical development that led us here in five stages. Five phases that uh, led Spain and Catalonia from cooperation to rupture, and now to an institutional blockade that actually led from a plural but united Catalan society to a deep social division in Catalonia. The first stage would be what I call it cooperation. Since the beginning of uh, our democrat democratic period, till the year 2003. After Franco dictatorship, the prospect of uh, a new democratic Spain and European Union membership worked as uh, national and collective goals that unified our country, including nationalist Catalan parties. 
The Catalan nationalist political elite, in addition to ruling the region for more than 25 years, also participate actively in the development of the country's democratic architecture and contributed to its political stability through negotiation and agreement with uh, successive uh, central governments of different political colors, not only the right-wing parties, but also left-wing parties like mine, like the Socialist Party. In fact, during the first three decades of democracy, the independence movement had little political and electoral relevance. The second stage would be what I call disaffection from the year 2003 till 2012. Catalonia at that time tried to reform its uh, statute of autonomy, its uh, regional constitution, so to say. This reform of, of, the, of the regional constitution was carried out assuming the framework of the Spanish constitution and the rules of the existing territorial model. However, this new regional constitution became the first seat of division between Catalonia and the rest of Spain. This happened particularly because the Spanish political right, the Popular Party, had decided at that time to turn the discussion or discussion over Catalonia and the expansion uh, of, of self-government into a political weapon against the socialist government ruling Spain at that time. They took this new regional constitution to the Spanish Constitutional Court, our uh, Supreme Court, and four years later, in 2010, the top court invalidated some articles of the text that was approved by the Catalan and the Spanish Parliament, as well as through a referendum voted by the Catalan people. And these sentences, of course, generated a climate of protest and frustration in Catalonia, and as a result, the political and social debate was colonized almost entirely by message about identity. So the perfect storm was taking shape. And the situation deteriorated even more with the global economic crisis that uh, erupted in 2008. And this recession had a terrible impact in the Spanish and the Catalan economy in terms of growth and unemployment, especially among the youth. The third stage, I call it separatism and it comprises the period between the year 2012 till the year 2016. The regional elections and the celebration of a massive demonstration in Barcelona in, in the year 2011 confirmed that a, a strong separatist front with growing social support had replaced the previous predominance of a moderate nationalism in Catalonia. As a result, in 2014, the Catalan pro-independence government organized the first illegal consultation about independence with no democratic guarantees where, in fact, only the pro-independence half of the population participate. Similarly to or the, the pro-independence front presented the regional elections of 2015 as a plebiscite in favor of a Catalan state. Again, pro-independence uh, parties did not get a majority of votes 48% of the votes, but thanks to the electoral system, allowed them to form a government and to start to implement its program for the constitution of uh, an independent state in Catalonia. The fourth stage is the one that we suffered last year in the year 2017, and I call it rupture. 
The growing radicalization of Catalan nationalism reached its uh, climax between the months of September and November of uh, 2017, when the when independence movement proceeds unilaterally to the separation of Spain and the creation of its own state. In order to do so, Catalan pro-independence parties approved at the beginning of September the so-called laws of disconnection. These laws were not only blatantly unconstitutional, but were also approved in parliamentary sessions full of irregularities and violating basic principles of parliamentary democracy. They approved these laws without the reinforced majority that every parliamentary system requires for transcendental changes. Secondly, they also abuse of their simple majority to deny the opposition the right to amend the laws approved. And thirdly, they ignored not only the Spanish Constitutional Court's decisions, but also the reports of the lawyers of the Parliament of Catalonia who warned of the illegality of the legislation submitted to debate and approval. So you can see here the Catalan Parliament half empty approving the disconnection laws in September. Half of the MPs abandoned the Parliament as a sign of protest. Although the referendum was declared illegal by the Constitutional Court, this was held on the 1st of October without the minimum democratic guarantees as was highlighted by the Venice Commission of the Council of Europe. There was no public and verified census. The composition of the polling station was not previously made public. There was no electoral administration or judicial control, and it was possible for the same voter to vote at several polling stations. Even so, the estimate participation, since uh, it is not possible to refer to a truthful scrutiny, did not surpass 43% of the electoral census, and the affirmative votes for independence were around 38%. An outcome that showed something that is, and I think this is very important, that is repeated in all the electoral processes that have been held in Catalonia during this last decade. The independence movement, either in relation to the parties that promote it or indirect consultations, has never reached the support of the majority of Catalan citizens. Moreover, there was a judicial order to stop the voting, which in many cases forced the police to act giving way to unfortunate stands of violence that never should have happened and that we, as a party leading the opposition, condemned. Although it might be difficult to believe for an external observer, according to pro-independence politician, uh, politicians, a referendum with no democratic guarantees whatsoever and where only 38% uh, of the census voted for independence represented for them a clear democratic mandate to unilaterally secede from Spain. Based on this alleged democratic mandate, the 27th of October, pro-independence parties voted the Declaration of Independence of Catalonia in the Catalan Parliament, proclaiming that, and I quote, Catalonia becomes an independent state in the form of a republic. End of the quote. But take into account these figures. 
only 82 of the 135 parliamentarians participate in the vote with the following result. 70 vote in favor of independence, two blank, and 10 against. The rest of the political forces did not participate in an illegal vote in which the rights of the opposition had been violated. That is to say, the parliament, declare, the, the parliament declare, declared the, the independence of Catalonia only with 52% of, of its deputies. Therefore, they declared independence only with the vote of the parties that had the support of 1.9 million citizens of the 4.1 million voters. That is 47.7% of those who exercised the right to vote and 35.5% of the citizens entitled to vote in the 2015 elections. The Declaration of Independence, the referendum law, and the law of juridical transition meant that the Spanish democratic constitution and the regional constitution in Catalonia were replaced unilaterally and with no democratic legitimacy whatsoever with a new different legal order. The legality of the autonomy of Catalonia itself was also liquidated, and this was, above all, an attack without precedence to Spanish democracy and to the rule of law. This institutional instability has had a terrible impact in Catalonia economy and society at this final stage of the independence process. More than 3,800 companies have moved their headquarters in Catalonia to other regions of Spain, including six of the seven largest companies in Catalonia. Foreign investment fell up to 75%. Bank deposits ran to other regions in Spain worth, than, or worth 31,400 million euros and dropping the number of tourists visiting Catalonia 185,000 less. And secondly, and this is, in my opinion, the, the most worrying uh, issue, the crisis had had a terrible impact in Catalan society. After being a fine example of coexistence for decades, Catalonia is today deeply divided. There's a very good quote from uh, John Locke that reminds us the importance of the supremacy of the law. So what was the response for, from the Spanish democracy? On October 27th, the same day that uh, independence was proclaimed, the Spanish democracy responded with the instruments that the Constitution itself provides for these cases. <coughs> Thus, with an agreement between the two major parties, the Popular Party and the Socialist Party, measures were approved in the Spanish Senate in accordance with Article 155 of our Constitution. Basically, with the measure, these measures, the whole Catalan government was thesis, given its refusal to accept the democratic legality, Right after this decision, regional elections were called for the 21st of December. Article 155 was, in my opinion, a legitimate instrument foreseen in the Spanish Constitution for the cases in which an autonomous community fails to fulfill its obligations. 
it is equivalent to instruments of different European constitutions of decentralized states, such as the German constitution. And its approval is fully democratic. It is carried out after a debate and voting in the Spanish Senate. The regional elections held on December 21st had some outstanding political consequences, in my opinion. With nearly uh, 82% of participation in the elections, the political stalemate persists between two blocks, although pro-independence parties didn't reach again the majority in votes. We have in Catalonia approximately 2 million people uh, voting in favor of pro-independence parties. Pro-independence parties took 47.5% of the vote against unionist parties that took 52.2%. In any case, due to the electoral law the, that overrepresents votes in rural areas, the pro-independence bloc can govern through an absolute parliamentary majority of 70 seats against 65 of uh, unionist parties. And for the first time, the most voted parties, uh, party in autonomous elections is identified, in my opinion, with the Spanish right. And the last uh, stage will be the one that we live in now that I call blockade. Because since the elections, Catalonia remains in a political and institutional blockade. More than four months later, a parliamentary majority to form a government has not been achieved with May 22nd as the deadline to do so. The current governance crisis lies, uh, in my opinion, on the following elements. The first element would be destabilization. The strategy of the former president of Catalonia, Puigdemont, since fleeing from Spanish justice has been to prevent any agreement in Catalonia that did not go through the affirmation of his leadership. The second element would be uh, division. The traditional competition between the two major political forces of the pro-independence camp has led to a fracture around its uh, strategic goals. On the one hand, there are those who want to keep the independence project intact, and on the other hand, those who favor a kind of covert rectification recovering certain normality within the framework of the autonomous institutions. The fact that the former president's candidacy is the first in support and seats in the pro-independence space gives, uh, in my opinion, weight to the imposition of the rupturist strategy and the impossibility of forming a government within the framework of democratic legality. And the third element would be judicialization. The judicial procedures carried out by the Supreme Court have led to the prosecution of up to 25 separatist leaders accused of crimes linked to the rupture of constitutional legality, rebellion, and the misappropriation of public resources. All of them, in order, order for preventive imprisonment, has been issued, although some have escaped justice by moving to other countries among them the former Catalan president. In any case, and regardless of the judicial debate on the decisions taken by the Supreme Court, several considerations I would like to share with you. The first, 
The proceedings against the secessionist leaders are the exclusive competence of the judicial system. Second, the jail pro-independence leaders are not prisoners of conscience, as Amnesty International has concluded. They will have a fair trail with all the guarantees of the rule of law and will be judged by a different court than the judge currently processing them. And last but not least, they are not persecuted for their political ideas, but for crimes committed against the law. In fact, in the Parliament of Catalonia and in the Parliament of Spain, there are pro-independence deputies and senators who can freely defend their positions. In this chart, we can see how the support for uh, independence in Catalonia evolved during the last years. This support uh, has grown, but without becoming hegemonic. And since the unilateral declaration of independence, it has fallen down to around 33% of the population. When we look at the preference of the Spanish people as a whole for the territorial model, in the last three decades, we can see that in spite of a sharp rise of support for a more centralist state during the years of the economic crisis, nowadays less than a third of, uh, of the population supports greater centralization, while around 60% support either the current territorial model, around 40%, or even greater decentralization, around 20%. In sum, the Catalan challenge has not increased the desire for a more centralist state, as some political parties in Spain are longing for. One of the major successes, uh, in my opinion, of the pro-independence movement has been to develop a separatist narrative spread through a powerful propaganda machine. This pro-independence narrative is simplifying good and evil portrait, full of falsifications, in my opinion, and misrepresentations, where Catalonia appears as a sort of a colony, politically oppressed and economically exploited by allegedly undemocratic and authoritarian Spanish state. However, Catalonia enjoys the same civil liberties than the rest of the Spanish people. Indeed, Catalonia is as well as other more developed regions of Spain, such as Madrid or Valencia, contribute more than the poor ones to the state budget. However, pro-independence politicians pretend to turn solidarity between rich and poor into colonial exploitation. Furthermore, according to their vision, the independence process would be fast and clean, fully backed by the international community, and with very low cost for the Catalan economy. For instance, the pro-independence movement uh, claims that international law justifies the self-determination referendum for Catalonia. However, the right to self-determination is only contemplated by the United Nations in cases, and I quote, of particular situation of colonial domination 
or other forms of foreign domination or occupation. End of the quote. Also, pro-independence leaders have insisted that secession would not force Catalonia to leave the European Union, contradicting all the official statements of the European Union authorities. Statements which clearly say that, and I quote, if a territory of a member state ceases to be a part of this state because it becomes an independent state, the treaties cannot continue to apply to that part of the territory and therefore the new independent region becomes a third country. End of the quote. Though secessionists claim to speak in the name of the whole people in Catalonia, of Catalonia, election results over the last decade shows that this is a baseless claim. In fact, independence, for far from being a sort of glue that brings together the majority of Catalan citizens, has led to a huge and worrying social fracture, which indicate also other social and economic fractures within Catalonian society. So you can see in this graph how there is a correlation between social class, geographic origin, and support of independence. During, during its transition to secessionism, Catalan nationalism has somehow embraced um, the narrative and the forms of populist movements who have lately gained political prominence in Western societies. This variant of uh, secessionist populism responds to the same logic and shares similarities with other populist movements that have recently had a big political success. So here we will look to how the Catalan secessionist movement shares some of the basic traits of modern populists. The populists speak for all the people, for all the country. And those who do not think like them, either they do not really belong to the homeland or become national enemies manipulated by foreign powers. Make America great again. Take back control. Simple solutions to tackle complex problems is the essence of populism. Catalan separatists also constantly resort to simplification and emotion with the slogans such as Spain steal us or we want to vote. It is about reinforcing walls to stop migrants. It is about to stop refugees uh, who escape from the war to live in the UK. Or, as in the case at hand, it is about building a border with the rest of the Spaniards. Behind this vision, in my opinion, there is indeed a supremacist element that we can also see in Catalan secessionist leaders. For example, the former vice president of the Catalonian government wrote once that the DNA of Catalans was more similar to the French than the rest of the Spaniards. And of course, anti-elitism. Populists pretend to represent the common people against the corrupted elites, even though pro-independence Catalan elites have been involved in many corruption cases in the last decades. Together with the attack towards political elites, 
comes the denigration of representative democracy in favor of forms of direct democracy. Catalan secessionist populists presented the referendum of independence as a superior form of democracy. However, for what we have seen so far, the referendum was only an excuse to materialize, in my opinion, their challenge to Spanish democracy. So to conclude, Spain is confronting a serious crisis, a very serious crisis, but this is also a challenge to the European Union. The attempt of secession would break the principles of respect for the rules of democracy and territorial cohesion of the states on which the existence of the European Union is based. On the other hand, Catalan nationalists has culminated its path to secessionist radicalization through the glue of populism. Although it has achieved a very high level of mobilization, however, it has not managed to get the support of a majority of Catalans, nor the support of the international community. And I agree, the response of the Spanish government has had a limited scope. It has reestablished the constitutional and democratic legality, but has not taken any real step, any real political step to solve the problem, which is political. The law has been restored in Catalonia, but we still have the political and social division between two blocs, the disaffection of a very important part of the Catalan population in relation to Spain, the political and economic uncertainties generated by this situation, and of course, the current political and institutional blockade. Throughout these years, the government's approach has been, and I criticize it a lot, characterized by its immobilism. By the contrary, the party that I lead, the Socialist Party, has presented a political alternative assuming that the territorial pact after almost four decades must be reformed to correct deficiencies and limitations. Basically, we propose a reform of the Spanish Constitution that would involve the Senate to become a real territorial chamber, clarify and consolidate the distribution of competence among the different levels of the state, clarify and consolidate the distribution of public resources and financing, cohesion and coordination between central government regions and municipalities, and ensure the participation of the territories in coordination with the government of Spain in the decision-making process of the European Union. In a nutshell, we propose a consolidation of the decentralization model, clarifying its structure and coordinating elements, and ensuring better territorial cohesion between territories. Apart of these proposals, we have also forced the government and other political groups to open up a parliamentary commission to evaluate our decentralization model, which would give way to initiate, to begin, the debate to reform the Spanish Constitution. However, we are facing a partisan attempt in collusion with uh, pro-independence parties to thwart the, the only space for political dialogue that has been created and articulated in more than a decade. So therefore, unilateral separatism, government uh, immobilism, and the short-term political interest of new political forces are the most important hazards currently challenging Spanish democracy. 
We have pro a proposal for major reforms to dialogue. And faced this uh, with the unfeasible proposal of secessionism, consisting of a unilateral and illegal referendum for Catalonia, the Socialist Party proposed to overcome this crisis of legitimacy with two legal referendums. The first, where all Spanish will together vote the referendum or the reform of the Spanish Constitution. And a second referendum, where all the Catalans will be able to vote for the new regional constitution. And I think this is a realistic alternative, the only alternative to the current political stalemate that must allow the country to overcome the political crisis. I believe that representative democracy must show the flexibility and the capacity to find political solutions to the challenge put forward by polarization and populism. In sum, we need to rebuild the institutional architecture of the Spanish democracy so it can regain the political legitimacy that will allow us to enjoy another 40 years of social progress and economic prosperity together. Many thanks y a vuestra disposición. Well, that was <coughs> extremely reasoned um, survey of the situation. Um, before throwing it out to the public, I'd quite like to start by asking Dr. Sanchez a question. Given that the, your proposals are eminently reasonable, how do you account for the weakness of the, of the Socialist Party in Catalonia? Uh, I think that um, what is happening in Catalonia and what is happening in Western democracies uh, it is that we have uh, a very polarized society. So in, a ver in very polarized societies, it is very difficult uh, that uh, political parties that, is, that stand up for coexistence and for great solutions, so to say, with the constitutional reform, uh, get the majority of the support. What we can see, for instance, uh, in the behavior of, or the electoral behavior of uh, Catalans in the last elections, that uh, last regional elections, is that once wanted to win the pro-independence parties, and the pro-independence parties wanted to win uh, the Spanish, uh, so to say, uh, political parties represented in Catalonia. So there was not many space for the political proposal uh, lead, led by the Socialist Party in Catalonia. But that doesn't mean that we are not going to defend the need for a coexistence in Catalonia, the need for, for dialogue and the need uh, for uh, a new start in Catalonia. Building bridges, and trying to uh, overcome the dynamic of two blocks in Catalonia. So it is true, uh, we, we suffer. Uh, we are now the fourth uh, uh, political or electoral uh, party in, in, in Catalonia, but that doesn't mean that uh, our political proposal of, uh, of uh, coexistence is not the, the, the one that I think is, uh, is truly needed in Catalonia. Okay, thank you. Lady at the back. 
There's a microphone on the way if you just care to wait for a second. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for the, your detailed description of the events that have brought us to here. However, I must note that there has been one particular event that I have been lacking in your presentation. The, you, argue, you argue that political leaders broke the law pursuing the mandate of their citizens' will expressed in a parliamentary majority, which might seem a bit odd here in the country of parliamentary sovereignty. However, it's very important to note that the Catalonian government, formerly with the President Artur Mas, and afterwards with President Carlos Puigdemont, tried 18 times to held a referendum, a legal referendum under the Spanish framework. It's a, it's a long question, but I'm finishing very soon. A referendum just as the Conservative Party brokered here in the UK for Scotland. A referendum not just backed solely by 80% of the Catalonian population, but also by your own party, as outlined in their manifesto in Catalonia in 2012. How can you don't stipulate this very important fact to understand the current political situation in Catalonia? And also, how are you going to achieve your alternative? Because some people, maybe even me, might argue that it's a good alternative. But how are you going to achieve so? Maybe, maybe you could achieve it if you took office, which you have the numbers in Parliament, in the Spanish Parliament, for doing so. But you seem unwilling to do so, neither. So be what is the alternative? Get, before you get involved in the Contra Conferencia, <laughs> could, could I just ask you to specify what is your question? My question is, how is... Mr. Pedro Sánchez, going to solve this problem with the alternative that they have outlined okay, when it's unwilling you. to take office. Thank you so much. Well, we have a, a reflection and a question, and I will, I will, I will answer both uh, the reflection and, and the question. Uh, I'm not against, and I think I, I said it in my presentation, I'm not against uh, a referendum in Catalonia. I'm against an illegal referendum in Catalonia. So, so and I, I explain it, and I'm, 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 this is not a partisan vision. You have to read the sentences of the Supreme Court, of our constitutional court. Our constitutional court said and state very clearly that if you want uh, to recognize a, a self-determination vote or votation, you have to reform, you must reform our constitution because the right to, uh, for self-determination in our constitution is not recognized. So my opinion and the position of my party is that if we have to reform our constitution, I prefer to reform our constitution for good, to unite again Catalonia and the rest of Spain. Uh, that is why we are saying and we are defending that we, of course, want that the Catalans vote again for their new regional constitution. But this is something that we have to, let's say, decide it together. Secondly, 
Look, uh, I spoke many times with pro-independence leaders. Many times. I spoke with them when I tried to... I don't know how to say it in English. When I tried to become prime minister... <laughs> was he clear in English? I think I, I was clear, no? <laughs> and, I, and I can tell you, the, the, the point was that... Um, the, the demand of uh, the pro-independence parties and also from Podemos was not to uh, change the prime minister, but to recognize the uh, votation for self-determination. And this is something... No, no, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you're speaking about the position that the, the Socialist Party in Catalonia had in the year 2003, I believe, but I became the Secretary General of the Socialist Party in the year 2014. And since then, we have another position, which is the Declaration of Granada, the, the agreement that we reached among all the uh, regional leaders and the federal leaders of the Socialist Party, which is the reform of our Constitution. So, again, I agree with the legal referendum in Catalonia. And to do so, what we need is to reform our Constitution. So I don't, I don't want a referendum to divide more the Catalan society. I want a referendum to unite the Catalan society and also the Catalans with the rest of the Spaniards. And this is our position. Question there? Yeah. My question is very short. Would you support Manuel Valls as a mayor of Barcelona? <laughs> I, uh, I would support uh, the socialist candidate, too. This <laughs> <laughs> is not anymore uh, socialist, uh, a socialist comrade. There's a question right at the back. If you could get a microphone. Yeah. Hi, Mr. Pedro Sanchez. Um, I wanted to ask you that um, with the current um, education law in Spain, um, the Catalan government has eliminated the option um, uh, to study in Spanish in public schools uh, at all levels in primary and secondary education. Um, so that, together with um, other examples of uh, indoctrination of the Catalan youth, um, talking about like the the crown of uh, Aragon and Catalonia, uh, which you explained earlier, talking about the the independentist sentiment of uh, the Basque Country and uh, and Catalonia. Um, so with um, with Catalonia already controlling uh, their own prison system, health system, education system, and their own police. Um, how are you going to stop the creation of a of a Catalan uh, of, of a Catalan youth that um, wants to follow the independentist path without um, giving more competencies to one of the regions with um, uh, that is to one of the most independentist uh, sorry autonomous regions uh, in Europe? Hmm. Um. Well, I, 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 I always explain my uh, foreign comrades that if you analyze one of the major victories of our uh, constitution of 1978 is uh, the, the lessons that we learned 
throughout our history uh, that combines uh, the democracy with the de decentralization model. Spain is not France. Sometimes uh, al um, uh, along our history, uh, there, there were some uh, uh, presidents or dictators that uh, believed that uh, Spain could be uh, ruled by a centralist government, which I think is one of the biggest mistakes that uh, we have suffered along our history. So the, one of the, our major uh, lessons of the current constitution is to combine and to understand that for the democratization of our country, we need also a decentralization model in order to combine democra uh, democracy with uh, the plurality of identities that we have within our frontiers. And I think that uh, we did it and we accomplished this goal with our constitution and with the, our autonomous state, so to say. We, we, we cannot use federal, in reality it's a federal system, we don't use federal because federalism for Spaniards historically is, is, uh, ha has a negative uh, meanings of disgregation. But in fact we have a federal system. We, we don't have a, a complete federal system. And this is I think the, the, the point where we have to, um, let's say, reinforce our autonomous state. We have to reinforce our cooperation uh, system, horizontal, among the, the communities, and also from the state to the regional governments. And that is why we are asking for a real Senate that, for instance, uh, the, German, the German has, or the German have, and, and, and so on and so forth, no? Uh, and in a federal system, there is a principle, a, a basic principle, which is loyalty. Loyalty. And in my opinion, pro-independence parties did not have loyalty with the rest of communities and with the rest or, or the central government. The problem is not that the Catalans... Um, uh, have competences on education or culture or whatever. I don't think that's the problem. The problem is not the use of the language. The problem is the use of the words. It doesn't matter if you speak in Spanish or Catalan or English. It's the, it's the use of the words, not the language. So we have to differentiate very well because, in my opinion, it's not the use of the language What's, what's the problem in Catalonia? It's the use of, of, of the words of Catalan that some pro-independence parties and leaders are, 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 are using and, and trying to pursue uh, the youth or, or the population in Catalonia. Mm. There were some debates in Spain about when we implement the Article 155 about if we intervene or not the public television uh, uh, station in Catalonia. And I disagree profoundly because the, the, the key issue for us was to respect the autonomy institutions of the Catalan uh, uh, government. Um, but, of course, we, we disagree with the, with the use that the pro-independence government uh, has been doing with, with the, with the, with the uh, Catalan uh, television, public television. Question there. Right. 
Um, thanks very much for coming here and, and for your talk. Um, it's been a talk where you've come across as very moderate and, and the Catalan processionist Catalans as a bit of a nutcase where we nationalism is rooted, very much rooted in societies, especially in rural areas where I come from, so thanks for that. Um, we've done everything illegally. We're not even a majority. There's been economic mayhem. Um, we're populist. There's even traces of supremacist elements. So it's all a terrible thing, really, it looks like. Um, but, but there is room for excitement because I think this makes for a very nice puzzle. And, and as a doctor, I'm sure you will appreciate this puzzle, which is that despite all these negative things, there is still around half of the voters, a bit less, as you've shown in your slide, half of the voters that support independence in Catalonia, um, which is not a ne negligible proportion. So my question to you is, do you have something to say aside from saying that um, half of the voters are populist and rebellious and with traces of supremacist um, elements. So do you have something that can explain this puzzle? And because it is an academic institution, I think we will all appreciate a bit of nuance in here. Or in other words, do you have something different to say than the right-wing party? Thank you. Well, I, I tried to be... Um, um, and respect, of course, uh, the academic view of my presentation. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very sad that uh, uh, that uh, at least you, you didn't uh, uh, see the importance that I gave to some uh, issues that happened in this uh, uh, story. No, for instance, with uh, the renew with the with the new regional constitution and the. Uh, uh, the sentence of the Constitutional Court and how that uh, creates some, uh, um, let's say, misunderstandings and, uh, and disaffection among the Catalans uh, towards uh, the, the central government. And, of course, I don't hear um, non-politicians uh, uh, from right-wing parties, not only the Popular Party, but also Ciudadanos, speaking about a constitutional reform. Or, or, or neither speaking about nation of nations that I recognize and I define Spain like that. They say that uh, I'm, I'm trying to disgregate Spain. So um, it is true that I, I also recognize the importance of our constitution, which was voted by the 90% of, 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 of Catalans back in 1978. But I, I've never said that uh, old Catalans that support pro-independence parties are supremacist. What I blame is that there were some leaders of the pro-independence parties, like Junqueras, for instance, that said that the DNA of the Catalans are closer to the French than the Spaniards. I don't say that you are pro, uh, you're a supremacist. I just said that the people that, people that, uh, that represent the, the let's say your ideology or your uh, political goal uh, are using this kind of uh, reflections. And I think it's something that we have to, uh, let's say, uh, uh, say and highlight. Because it's a, it's a reactionary uh, ideology. It's a reactionary reasons that you are using or they are using precisely to defend the independence of Catalonia. Right, now there are lots of hands up. And those of you who have your hands up can't see what's going on behind you. 
<laughs> so you just have to trust me. Right, next on the agenda is this young man here. Thank you very much, Mr. Santith. Um, one of the big issues so-called pro-constitutional parties have, have suffered throughout this crisis, and it has been highlighted as well by some of the questions we've heard today, is this triumph of the Catalan narrative outside Spain and of the secessionist narrative and of the, as you have said, you know, we are oppressed by the Spanish people narrative. What role do political parties, do people like yourself, um, play? Because obviously the government hasn't done this in the past. What, role, what roles do parties like yours play in you know, traveling outside Spain and explaining what has really happened and how this narrative which has been imposed, which many German newspapers, for example, followed when Puigdemont was arrested? How do you challenge that? How do you explain what really has happened? Well, I was uh, two weeks ago in the Congress of the SPD, and during these last months, I spoke very often with, uh, with uh, leaders of the socialist family uh, throughout Europe. Mm. And I explained why the Socialist Party is defending the Constitution and why we were defending the implementation of Article 155. And I can tell you, uh, since the basic uh, reflection that I share with them is that what is, what, what is happening in Catalonia is something that is very similar to what is happening to, in other parties, in other parts of Europe, Hungary, uh, Poland, where reactionary movements are using populism against European values, I can tell you there are many, many, many leaders of the Socialist Party, I would say all of them, that share the same vision that we have as socialists in Spain. Okay, right. There's a young man in the mid, sort of in the middle there, with a beard and glasses, who's be- beaming happily. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Sanchez, for your presentation. Um, I was wondering because th- there seems to be a mantra among Spanish politicians that the constitution does not allow for a referendum on independence. You yourself just seem to agree with that position, and then you also said that you would agree with a legal referendum. And since I'm a lawyer myself, and I pretty much appreciate uh, Francisco Ruyo Llorente's writings on the Constitution. He was um, vice president of the Spanish Constitutional Court. He was president of the Spanish State Council, etc. He said in 2012 that the Spanish Constitution did allow for a non-binding referendum on secession. So I was wondering whether these two positions could be reconciled. The one hand, the one that you said that you would agree with the legal referendum, and then on the other one, this... Uh, remarkable, renowned jurist who himself thought that there's a room for a non-binding referendum. I was wondering what your thoughts are on this position. Thank you very much. Thanks. I, I explained it. There, there are many sentences of, of the Constitutional Court saying that uh, if you want to recognize uh, self-determination votation, you, you need, you must uh, change our Constitution. So the point is that I mean, I, 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 I of course disagree with the politic, political solutions that the pro-independence politicians and, and, and movement is proposing, like this, this self-determination and so on and so forth. But I say, if you want to, to, um, to defend this position, do it in the Congress. But they don't do it. And you know why? Because they know they are in, in a minority. So that is why... Uh, we open a commission to evaluate the territorial model in Spain. And the point is that the people that demands a dialogue, 
between Catalans and the rest of Spain, they reject to participate in that territorial committee uh, in, uh, before the Congress. So w what's the point? The point is that what the, the pro-independence parties and leaders want is a bilateral dialogue between the Catalan government and the central government. And we say, listen, perhaps that's a good uh, point to start the dialogue. But there's a need also to, uh, to have that dialogue and debate in the Congress with all the rest of political parties. And also, and this is something that we always forget, please remind that in Catalonia, you have 50% of people defending pro-independence parties, but the rest defending constitutional parties. So one of the key elements that the pro-independence bloc must do after um, uh, agreeing a new government in Catalonia is to build bridges with the other part of Catalans. We always speak about the need to dialogue for dialogue between Catalonia and the rest of Spain and the central government. But we always forget that there is a need for dialogue also within Catalans. And this is something that they have also to understand. Don't you think that the first to forget that was the government in Madrid? Oh, no, of course. I, I, I also... <laughs> no, I, I, I think that in my presentation... I think that in my presentation... Yo creo que sí, aplauso era para usted, no para mí. No, I think in my, in, my presentation, in my presentation, I, I criticized the mobilism of uh, Prime Minister Rajoy, but uh, it's not the same level of responsibility. I mean, uh, the former president of Catalonia and the former government in Catalonia unilaterally break the law and the constitution and the regional constitution. So I can blame politically the immobilism of uh, current Prime Minister Rajoy. But uh, the difference of political responsibilities are uh, enormous. Oh, I would agree with that. But if given <clears throat> you said earlier on, and I, I agree, that um, there is a substantial body of opinion in Catalonia, by a small majority, which is against full independence. That's not to say that it's happy with the existing arrangements. I mean, it, it, it could very well be keen on far more autonomy, and that became a problem after the, uh, the, the decision of the Constitutional Court in 2010. But I, I think, for what it's worth, but this is an English or a British view, that it's the job of governments to avoid conflict. And knowing that... There, is not, there was not a majority for independence, would it not have been a good idea for Rajoy to say, OK, you, wanna, you, you obviously can't have a binding referendum on independence, but you could have a consultation. And if, right, if you could get 65% turnout and a significant majority of that turnout then we could discuss. But as it was, it was set up so there would be violent conflict. But, um, but uh, Paul, the problem is... <laughs> the problem is that the Catalans voted in this last decade, I don't remember how many times, yeah. but they expressed their determination many times 
over this last decade. In 2015, I remember that the former president of uh, Catalonia, Artur Mas, uh, the elections were like a kind of plebiscite. And in fact, it was a plebiscite. Uh, around 80%, 78% of Catalans voted. And they didn't get the majority. Well, exactly, that's my point. No, but, <laughs> no, but the, no, no, no. But the point is that the point is that the point is that even in this last latest election, when the pro-independence party said in the beginning of the campaign that if they didn't get uh, over 52% of the voters, of the votes, they won't have uh, a clear majority to impose unilaterally the independence of Catalonia. Uh, the thing is that Catalans, they have expressed themselves many times legally in electoral processes. And the point is that the pro-independence parties, they never recognize that they don't have the majority of votes. So the point is that in any elections, you have similar results. It doesn't matter if Puigdemont is first in the pro-independence block or Ciudadanos is first in the, in the pro-constitutional uh, block. You will always have two blocks, more or less 47, 52, 53, more or less. So the point is how can we overcome that situation? And in my opinion, in my opinion, the only way to overcome that situation is through a constitutional reform. That's going to be very difficult. But I mean, the, the answer surely is... That's the only... But that's the only qualified solution. Qualified majority. You know, if, if the government had wanted... You need, there not you to need be, a, a constitutional reform. Yeah, I mean, what you need to do is avoid the imbecility of David Cameron of having an issue like Brexit devoted, decided on 50% plus one vote. But it's this, crazy. The problem, the problem Paul, Paul, is not, it's not a referendum. The problem no, or no, the no. challenge is uh, uh, to gather a legal referendum. And for that, you need a constitutional reform. And that is why we say, okay, we want a, re a legal referendum and we want to vote twice. First, we want to vote all Spaniards, a new constitution. And secondly, mm -hmm. Catalans, they can vote for the new regional constitution. Okay, good. Right. Lady in the white there. <laughs> sorry, lady there, and then Jeff Cowling. Yeah, sorry. Thank you very much. Um, well, we are in the London School of Economics and Political Science, and I like the political science aspect. So being a lawyer myself, I know that besides you have a quote, uh, after the law we have tyranny, I prefer that to say or to think that after the law we have the incapability of the political science, the politicians, to find solutions. Sadly, this is why, from my perspective, I have another narrative, um, very different from, from yours. And I would like to uh, ask you two questions, if I may, uh, considering this, which was the Socialist Party role uh, before the 1st of October and the independence um, declaration. Which was your role behind the screens? So the political role to try to agree uh, with solutions. And secondly, talking about um, 
um, this new era of uh, populism. Today we have a poll saying that the what I believe is the extreme right uh, party in Spain, populist Ciudadanos, is the second one in the intention of, of vote. Where is the Socialist Party? What are you going to do to gain back <laughs> this central left uh, space that you, according to those polls, uh, are losing? Thank you very much. Well, the th third question I will tell you that, I mean, I, I learned during these last four, decades, uh, four years as a leader of the Socialist Party not to take into account very seriously polls. Uh, But the, the, the other two questions I would like to, uh, to stop uh, for a minute. What was my, my role before the 1st of October and, and later on? Well, um, before the, the 1st of October, I, uh, and I, w I can tell you, before, before the, the elections in 2015, with the absolute majority of uh, Rajoy, I tried to open the Constitutional Commission in the Congress. And I couldn't because the Popular Party and the parliamentary absolute majority of the Popular Party reject the possibility to open the, uh, the Commission for the re Constitutional Reform. And I told him at that time that we were losing our time because the solutions for the Catalan crisis at that time, perhaps nowadays, uh, are not anymore the solutions. So the point is that, like two years ago, with the absolute majority of the Popular Party, we didn't have the parliamentary force to uh, force the government to open the constitutional debate uh, in the Congress. We have it now. We have it now because they, lose, uh, they lost their, their, their absolute majority in the Congress, and that is why uh, we agreed the government and the Socialist Party to open first in this first semester a commission to evaluate our territorial model and uh, uh, closing or ending these uh, works, parliamentary works, uh, by the end of July or perhaps beginning of September uh, to open the com the, a committee in the Congress for the constitutional reform. The point is that when I, I share some reflections with the current prime minister about what was happening in Catalonia, I always uh, thought that, first, the problem of Catalonia is the problem of Spain. The problem of, of Catalonia also reflects some deficiencies that we have within our federal system that touch not only Catalonia, but also other regions. The financing uh, of our autonomies, Uh, the lack of coordination among uh, regional governments. Um, so, in a way, uh, we need to uh, reform our constitution in order to tackle all these deficiencies and strength the, the, the positive uh, issues of, of our federal system. And that is why I always believe that uh, the, the need to implement the, the Article 155 was necessary in order to reestablish the legality in Catalonia. I always defended that the Article 155 was necessary in order to reestablish the legality and then 
after uh, reestablish that legality uh, to celebrate uh, a regional regional elections in Catalonia. But this is like one part of the solution. The other part of the solution is to uh, to debate seriously on what uh, can we do in order to solve this problem. And and the point is that all these pro-independence parties that are demanding dialogue, are demanding and are criticizing the the government or the, let's say, the Spanish political parties, the Socialist Party and the Popular Party, uh, to use their words, because they don't dialogue, they don't open that dialogue with, with the pro-independence parties. The problem is that, they're, that they're, they reject to work in this commission. So we have the only space for dialogue created uh, during this last decade of crisis in Catalonia, and they reject to work in this commission, in this committee. So, uh, and, and of course, Ciudadanos and, and, and Podemos, they, 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 don't, they don't participate either in this, in this, uh, in this committee. No? So I think that uh, that's, uh, that's it's of course, uh, uh, a problem of, 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 of politics. It's a problem of politicians. I can tell you that perhaps we can do things much better but the only party that has a solution, a political solution, feasible solution, to solve the problem in Catalonia is the Socialist Party. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> Thank you very much indeed for that very interesting insight into Spanish politics. I would like to just one question. Um, in... Uh, prison in Madrid at the moment are a number of elected Catalan politicians who are there on charges uh, of crimes. You mentioned crimes. I think we'd say alleged crimes of sedition and rebellion. These are not charges which are generally understood in the rest of Europe. Now, you mentioned that you wish to establish dialogue with elected politicians. How are you going to manage to do that if they are sentenced to 30 years imprisonment? And how are you going to establish a building bridges with the three million Catalans who have demonstrated support for them? Thank you. I think, I think, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. All, all agree. I think I, uh, everybody can agree with your vision that, of course, it's going to be very difficult to have a dialogue with, uh, with those uh, political leaders that now are in jail. The point is that uh, before, uh, before the situation that they are suffering, they knew because there were constitutional uh, court decisions, not once, but many. There were also uh, reports and decisions taken by uh, their own institutions in Catalonia saying and alerting about the consequences, the juridical consequences of their political decisions. And of course, it's going to be difficult. But one, one, one thing I can tell you, in Spain, the rule of law is respected. We don't have, we don't have, a, 
we don't have uh, uh, politics or politicians uh, or prisoners of conscience. I, I said in the, in, the, in the presentation, Amnesty International said that they are not prisoners of conscience. They are politicians that they knew they were, uh, let's say, uh, breaking the laws. And nobody's above the law. First of all, over there. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Mr. Sanchez, for the presentation. Uh, I get a very specific question regarding the proposal of constitutional reform that you mentioned in your just last slide. Um, is regarding that redistribution of competences. We have right now a constitutional structure in Spain that is obviously not sustainable in the sense that every year we need to approve the accounts of the state and every four years we need to get a government approved. But in every iteration of the process, we need to give even more competences to the regions, precisely to the regions that are in hands of parties that are uh, very openly against the unity of Spain, are trying to destroy it. So uh, would your, and this is the question, constitutional reform very clearly set aside those competences of the state can, can under no circumstance be transferred to the territories? Yes or no? Thank you. Uh, I, I agree with, uh, with that vision. I mean, uh, one, one, one thing that I... One, one of the major weaknesses, I would say, of our constitution is that it's not clearly defined. Even the names of our regions is not... Um, define the competences uh, on the hands of, of our regions and our municipalities, nor on the hands of the central government. So in my opinion, in that constitutional reform, what we have to do is to define which are the competences in, uh, on the hands of the central government, and the rest, we can decentralize those competences uh, among regional governments and also municipalities. What's the problem? The problem is that for many of these pro-independence parties, especially in Catalonia, uh, they don't recognize the federal, the, federal, uh, the federal system in Spain. What they want is a bilateral uh, relation between the central government and the Catalan government. That is why, for instance, when you gather, the president or the prime minister gather a meeting with all the regional presidents of, of the regional governments, uh, the Catalan president didn't uh, attend the meeting because uh, he didn't recognize uh, the federal characteristic of our political system. What they want is a bilateral relation. So in a way, because in politics, nothing is perfect, we need to, um, to think in a, in a mix of uh, federal uh, system with some uh, bilateral uh, relations that already exist in our, in our uh, autonomous uh, political system. You have like uh, bilateral committees between the, 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 the regions and the central government, and this is something that we have to strengthen. When you speak, for instance, with the nationalists in, in, in the Basque Country, one of the things that they would like 
uh, to to open the debate is how can they influence in the policy making uh, towards the European Union. And perhaps this is something that we have to think about it. We used to do it informally, but not uh, formally. And this is something that perhaps we can do it. But in a way, politically, in my opinion, uh, the crisis in Catalonia is also a crisis of recognition. Of recognition. And this is something that we have to tackle in our constitution. Uh, not to uh, convince uh, most of the people, most of those two million people that are uh, supporting pro-independence uh, parties, but to convince at least 40% of those people that want to remain in Spain, but in a different situation. I know there are other questions that have been left unanswered. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. So I want to thank you all for coming. I want to, above all, thank Dr. Sanchez for an extremely reasonable <laughs> and thorough <laughs> <laughs>